Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the next chapter of my book, The Boy. And this chapter, chapter 7, is titled The Hunters. I hope you're enjoying it so far, and I look forward to hearing uh, what you think of this book. So, for this episode, I will be reading it myself. I hope you don't mind. So, without further ado, let's get into it. I am L.T. Bartek. Now here is the story. Chapter 7. The Hunters I'm telling you, officers, there's something in them woods, Janet heard the man say as she walked into the station, stopping her in her tracks. She looked over to see three good old boys, all seated at Josh's desk, shouting at him. It was 8.30 a.m. and the rest of the officers were all looking over at them. Some were transfixed, while others were trying to hide their smirks, not believing these hillbillies. But all were listening. What do you mean? Josh asked. One minute we had food on the table and the next he was gone. The younger of them shouted in response. Janet dropped her bag and lunch kit off at her desk and walked over to stand facing the trio. Hi guys, I just got here, so can you tell me the story from the top? What happened? The two younger men started talking at the same time. Janet held up her hand and they both fell silent. One at a time, please, she said. They looked at each other and the older of the two nodded his head giving the younger man permission to tell the story. Okay, but you gon' think we matter something. But my brothers here can back me up. We all saw the same thing. Okay, tell me what happened. He started in his southern drawl, his words sounding both stretched and chopped. Well, we're all sitting at the table eating supper, and that's when we heard some strange noises out front. Billy here heard it first, and I thought it was for sure a mountain lion, because that's what it sounded like, right? He stopped and looked at his brothers for confirmation. They nodded their heads, and he continued. It kept making that noise over and over again out front, and that's when we got our shotguns. We looked outside through the window. Nothing. We didn't see nothing. We shone our flashlights, but still didn't see nothing. Then we heard like something was banging on the trees, and Carl, he went outside first, then Billy and me. But we looked and looked and still nothing. So after a while, we gave up and went back in. We locked and barred the door. When we turned and looked at the table, most of our food was gone. We never seen nor hear nothing. It was just there and then not. The back door was still shut and no one could have passed us. We barred that door too, boy then took turns keeping watch, but nothing else happened. Said we had to come tell you all, just in case whatever is out there get up and hurt somebody. He finished and sat down, looking at Jan and the rest of the officers, then at his brothers, who were silently waiting for someone to say something. Janet's brow forward as her mind went to the mutilated body of the girl they found the day before. She wondered if what these guys supposedly saw was the same thing that killed Alexis. She took out her notepad and asked, Where is your cabin located? 
She walked over to the map on the wall and gestured for them to point to the map, beckoning them to show her the exact location. The oldest brother got up and walked over to stand in front of the map. He studied it for a few moments, then pointed at the location. Where he pointed was about five miles as the crow flies from where they had only just picked up Alexis' body parts. Janet thanked them and told Josh to take their statements. She then called the park rangers and told them that she needed help and would appreciate as many men as they could spare to go over the area between where the body was found and the hunting cabin. They agreed, but told her they needed time to organize the search party. She told them it was okay and hung up. Her dad, the captain, walked in then, and she stopped him on his way to his office. Captain, I think we have a lead, she said. He had asked her to, and she thought it best to call him captain instead of dad at the station, to keep it professional. That sounds good. What do you got? He said, making all four words sound like one as he moved past her and continued to his office. These guys, she pointed to the three men sitting at Josh's desk while she turned to follow him into his office, said there was something in the woods last night, said it was making a noise like a mountain lion, but it is also strange because they said something else stole their food. Maybe it's a pet? When he was out front distracting the guys, the owner might have gone in through the back to steal the food. I don't know. I'm still trying to make sense of this. So what are you going to do about it? He asks. Well, I have the park rangers on it. They're getting a group of search parties to help patrol the area. We could go today if we get enough guys. Sounds like a plan. Keep me posted, he said, slowly lowering himself into his chair. You okay, Dad? They were in his office now, out of earshot of the rest of the squad, though she could call him Dad. Yeah, just his damn leg bothering me some, but I'll be fine. You took your pills today? Yes, ma'am. Now will you get and quit fussing? I got work to do, he said, straightening his desk and positioning his computer monitor. Okay, okay, just take it easy. We got this. I know you do, he said distractedly as he started up his computer. Janet stopped outside his office, thinking. She was going to give the coroner another visit. Captain Chase looked up and grimaced. His leg was hurting badly, but he didn't want Janet distracted from her duties, worrying about him. He loves her something awful and would do anything in the world for his little girl. So he sat there suffering in silence so that she didn't have to have the burden of worrying about him. He sighed and opened the files he needed for today. Janet walked over to her desk and grabbed her bag, then walked over to Mike at the front office of the small police station. The cashier police department consisted of three offices, two small ones and a large office where all the officers have their desk. Then there is a jail cell, an interrogation room, an evidence locker, a records room, and a tiny lunch room, and of course a bathroom. Up front in the first room, separated by half wall, were the front desk officer, Mike Spencer, and two officers' desk, which belonged to the two rookies, Matthew Lawrence and Joseph Tate. Their jobs were to take complaints, write statements, and make initial arrests. The more senior officers, Donald Jones 
Ellie Holt, Phil Webster, Elizabeth White, and Janet Chase were on the other side of the half-glass, half-board partition. Trudy Allen was the administrative assistant and a mother to them all. At the back was Samuel Chase. He sat alone in his 10 by 12 office. Beside his were the other two rooms, the record room and the evidence room. There was a small jail cell and a cabinet for keeping additional weapons on the left wall, and that was about it. To the right of Sam's office was where the coffee machine and snacks were kept. Under the table that held the coffee was an 18 cubic feet refrigerator for keeping stuff cool. The building was a little cramped but comfortably enough, and it being that they were in an area that was not a crime-infested place, it was adequate, and they may do. Janet walked the two blocks to the coroner's office in search of Marty. She finally found him sitting at his desk eating a sandwich that was dripping juices down his arm. He looked up as Jan walked in and smiled. Bits of food lodged in between his canine and incisor. Hiya, Jan, he said, wiping his mouth and hands with a paper towel. Hiya, Marty, she said, sitting in the visitor's chair in front of him. Have you got anything new for me? Well, remember when I said we weren't going to get the results back until tomorrow from Asheville? Well, I called in a favor, and get this, the 10% was chiropteran, so 90% human and 10% bat. A bat, Jen said, sliding her butt to the front of the chair to get closer to Marty. Yep, didn't believe it either. Said he tested it three times. I don't know what to make of this, Jan. He placed his half-eaten sandwich on the wrapper, leaned back in his chair, and placed his hands on his belly, intertwining his fingers. The chair creaked under his weight and fought to stay upright. Marty was somewhere between 55 and 60, surprisingly still full, graying hair. He was a little on the chubby side, 5 feet 10 inches. He must have been a handsome man back in the day because he still had some of his good looks, but now the country air and easy laid-back living took his looks down a bit. He was friendly and easy to talk with. He was still married to his wife for 30 years. His two sons have gone on to live in other parts of the country. One followed in his father's footstep as a coroner in Texas, and his youngest was an accountant like his mother and living in New York City. He moved forward in his chair as if he was about to tell Jen a secret, his once white lab coat bunched up at his shoulders. And another thing, there was no self-defense wounds, nothing under her fingernails either. This is one for the books. Never seen or read about anything like this in all my years on the job. He stopped and looked through his office glass, connecting his office and the morgue. Then he added, as if she knew the attacker or the attacker was so fast she didn't have time to defend herself. Jan stayed silent. Her thoughts went a mile a minute, trying to compute what she had just heard. Not getting any response from her, Marty continued, Y'all got your work cut out for you, ma'am. Jan leaned back and sighed. Tell me about it. Just then her phone rang. She looked at the number and answered it. It was a park ranger. 
They had called in to inform her that they would be up and running in one hour. She got up and walked to the door. Jan was shocked by what Marty had just told her and was still in deep thought. Then she turned, thanked him, and walked back to the station. Jan and fifty other rangers and a few officers searched the woods for most of the day, but there was nothing that could point to a human-bat hybrid. Jan laughed at the thought of something like that existing anywhere here. Her brain tried to find an explanation. Maybe the person who killed Alexis had eaten a bat and then bit into Alexis' flesh after dismembering her, but that did not explain the shark-like bites. Hell, maybe Marty's on something, but that is not a shark bite, but a machine with a razor-sharp teeth and the killer had used it to rip the body apart. She pondered on this as she waded through the bushes, using a chopper and a six-foot stick to move branches and tree limbs out of her way as she walked. They searched the entire area to and from the cabin, but found nothing. It was getting dark. The sun was setting. The lead ranger came over to her. He was calling off the search for the day, having reached back at the starting point. It was not as if they needed to rescue anyone, so there was no emergency to find anything. He told her it was unlikely that they would be back because they had another thing they needed to do. They usually do not divulge what they do, so Jan did not press for more detail. She thanked them and disappointedly waved them goodbye, then stayed to look around a little longer. Well, now that we've come to the end of that, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. Please come back tomorrow for Chapter 8, titled In the Woods. Remember to love yourself and others, and I'll catch you tomorrow. Love you. Bye.